Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Well, um, this is a long series of teaching, again, that's connected. I try to teach inductively. And that means to build one thing on another. And so these are all connected. And this came out, we started the series a couple weeks ago, but it's called Life Lessons. And it had to do with uh, me opening a book that somebody had given me 20 years ago that said, what I want my kids to know about life or something to that effect on the title. And so combined with uh, me getting to uh, have a, uh, for me, a, marked birthday coming up with turning a certain age and uh and I get in trouble because people say stop talking about that well like I can't seem to get away from it it's right there and actually it's a very glorious thing to me and I'm looking forward to turning 70 and uh and with that I went what do I want to pass on to people so then last week I had somebody asked me he said that this isn't your swan song of teaching is it no but it is a time in my life where I, I want to give and pass on things that I think are really meaningful. And so it's not a specific scripture study, though it'll include a lot of studies. And I went, what's the, what's the first thing that I would want people to know of the things that I learned in life? And it has to do with the issue of a, a proper identity, because I heard so many teachings that actually were difficult for me to navigate through life, and most of it set up uh, really weird stuff. And so it's, it's this idea that if you find your destiny, that's where you get your identity from, and that's just a really faulty thing. It's just not true. And if people get a foundational place in their life and this can hold you and it's good to hear whether you're eight or 80. Um, I've had some people that have heard similar teachings to this that went oh I needed to hear that again. Well we need to hear it again. We need refresher courses in our life from God over foundational things. So uh, the the real issue in the, in the last week, the question that I, I posed was where we start is the question of whose am I? The, which is about security. Who, whose do I belong to? And every newborn baby comes out of the womb screaming that. We all know it really well. And the baby wants to know who it belongs to if it could speak who's going to take care of me I can't take care of myself who's going to pick me up and then looking at that that the that the word of God and how important it is to use scriptural foundational truth true truth to be able to release each of our hearts into the place of security of understanding where I started well you started in the same place that all of humankind started, and that was in the garden. And the security of knowing that God created me and that I belong to him. We talked about the two uh, immutable, unchanging rights that God has over all of this. Uh, God's in charge, did you notice? Funny thing about God is he knows he's God. 
It's people that don't know he's God. He has no insecurity with himself, and so he creates. It says in Genesis 2, he created male and female. He created them right there as an identity thing. We're identified by God in creation through those two things. It's a true truth. It's an unchanging truth. It's not a relative truth. It's not a thing that, well, what about this situation? It's not situational. That's how God identifies you. He looks at you and did that. And then there's a second immutable, unchanging truth is that when when Adam and Eve gave themselves away and gave their freedom away, Christ came to purchase back. So he not only, if you will, the security is he owns us by the right of creation and then he buys us back. He owns us by the right of redemption. I don't want to be owned. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Um, Bob Dylan, as he went through his journey of, of coming to a salvation of Jesus and everything, one of the most, one of the, still one of the really good songs that he did is, y'all going to serve somebody sometime. Everybody serves somebody sometime. You're either, you know, and his song was, you're either going to serve the devil or the Lord. What, what are you choosing? And that's what I talked about in the security of choosing. God chose us first so that we could choose him. It's, it's just so wonderful. We are made, and how did that take place? We're made in the image of God. What does that mean? It can mean so many things to so many people. I'm not clicking through there. Carrie, can you? Ah, good. I am. So, this is limited, and of course there's more than that, but we're made in the image of God in that we're relational beings. That means we love and want to be loved. Every human that's ever born wants love. But then as we continue to grow, we also want to show our love. We want to give that, and knowing that it's Reciprocal. I mean, how many forlorn, uh, broken love songs, both in rock and roll and country and everything, is the unrequited love? I love them and they didn't love me back. Darn it, I'm going to go chug another beer. Uh, it's the crying in my beer music. Yeah, we, but we long this. God put that in us. Why? Because we're created in his image. God loved. He loved us. John says in chapter 1, for God so loved the world. Well, it doesn't mean he loved us. It's so big. It's not what it's talking about. It's he loved us in this way. He gave his son. That's how big the thing was. He gave himself back to us. We are rational beings, we think. Some of us think better than others. It's true. Um, but we can think. We can understand things. We grow. We grow in school, in education. We're able to, to uh, begin to become rational in our thoughts. We're also, this is where uh, two and three can run into each other, but we are volitional beings. We have a will. I choose. I, I choose. Uh, you, you choose a lot of things. Uh, you know, it's even interesting about relationships um, a lot of people say this kind of put down on families but all of us have a weird Uncle Freddy uh, friends are the family you choose 
which we, they are. You know, the families were born, uh, if you can feel sometimes stuck, you know, I hope they didn't think that about me. There's, you know, especially, there's weird Lloyd coming to the party again. But we have a will. We choose over and over and over again. That's a God-given gift from his image to us. We choose. And then we're emotional beings. We can react or we can respond. We can do both. And our emotions can run the gamut. That's why I said they can, you know, especially two and four can run into each other and affect three. A whole lot. So, but we're, God's emotional. Have you noticed that? All you have to do is read the entire Bible. God has a gamut of emotions. Um, I think one of the most meaningful things is, is the one where Jesus looks over Jerusalem and it says this. It's the shortest verse in the, in the New Testament. He wept. It caused, it caused in his heart an emotional thing. And you know, you just go, oh man. And I so, I've just always so re- related to that because I didn't, I always thought that you didn't show these things. Maybe that was your faulty identity. I had it where, you know, I did, I did an intervow when I was about 12 that I wouldn't let anybody see me cry again. And uh, some of that came out of an abusive background and that guy wasn't going to get one more tear out of me. It didn't matter how strong the beating was, it wasn't going to happen. And so I just determined within my will that nobody would ever see you cry. Well, the night I received Christ into my life, I cried. I snotted all over the floor. I cried for four and a half hours. You know, everything that was brought up in my life, I just I start crying. Now I'm a big mush baby, you know. It's like... I'd cry at the drop of a hat. I don't think, I don't even go through the weird identity thing. Big boys don't cry or anything. Yes, they do. They may not cry in front of anybody, but they cry. If they have to go out in the mountain by themselves, they're going to cry. And women cry. Not all women cry. Some women do the same thing I did and, and make an inner vow that nobody will ever see that out of me. They can do the same thing. There's no difference. We are made in this image. So, if you look at what we looked at last week, the answer to the first question was my security comes from the fact that, I, that God has this. God has me. He's given me that security. I don't, have to, I don't have to run from it. I don't have to look for my security in something else. Now think of, and this isn't to attack here, all the teens that are in here. We keep our kids in. Um, that they're doing something wrong. Can you remember when you were 12 or 13? Some of you got to look forward to that. Some of you are right at that place. And some of you, as so long ago, uh, and you didn't even like that person back then, so you don't like to think about it. But can you, can you remember what that was like when you were trying to find your way and navigate your way through that. There's this thing of, of yeah, I'm secure, I know who my family is, but who am I? Who am I? And then what's really strange is all of us, every person that's ever lived, goes on a journey in trying to find it in other things other people, other groups, 
So even the ones, I, I've laughed at this for years with, with uh, especially doing young adult and training programs and all that. Uh, I just want to be myself, so I'm going to look just like them. I'm an individual and I want to dress the way I am. Yeah, you look just like Fiona Apple and all the weird, it's just like, no. You're, you're not, you're trying to find, you're trying to find your identity and this is why that happens. We all get our identity from a voice outside of us. That's hard to, you go, What? So it's really important about who you're listening to, about where your identity comes from. Jesus received his identity from a voice outside of him. Goes through the wilderness experience. First he's got a stepdad. Then he goes, gets, actually one version says that the Holy Spirit drove him into the wilderness. Does the 40 days of fasting, gets tempted, comes back, comes walking up to the river of Jordan. There's his cousin, his cousin, preaching, repentance, sees him walking towards him. Jesus submits himself to his cousin, goes under the water, comes out of the water, and a voice, not just heard by him, by everybody else, says, this is my beloved son, and then he even says this, in whom I'm well pleased. He'd done no ministry. He has accomplished nothing. He didn't preach He didn't change anybody's life. He hadn't done any miracles. And it's that point in time that the voice comes from outside him and says, this is my son. So we're longing to have that voice come to us at some stage in our life. Some of us live without an answer to that for decades. You really can. You can keep looking and looking and looking and looking for different voices to find your identity. And it's not there. So... How do I get that answered? You want the voice from heaven to declare who you are. Where is that found? Well, it's evidential in the word of God. Again, you return to roots in your life. What, who does Jesus say I am? What does the word of God say I am? So you go to this... Uh, question of identity and if you did the security thing and the question we did last week it tells you two things in the word about your life and who you are if you're God's child then this is just uh, this is one of the equations I do agree with I do like God is the ruler he's the king of kings He's the Lord of Lords. If He is your Father and you are His child, what does that mean for your life? If He is royalty, who are you? Royalty. So Brenda should refer to me as Prince Lloyd (laughs) in all things, right? (laughs) Wrong answer, buddy. That's faulty logic doesn't work however within me and knowing who I am it's very true I'm of royal lineage that changes everything 
I'm not living in something less than. The voice outside of me says, you're mine, and this is who I am, and therefore this is who you are. Um, We find it in this, in Romans 8, 14, it says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. If you've received Jesus, you're being led by the Spirit. That makes you a child of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. We'll come back to that one later. But you received the spirit of adoption by who we cry out, Abba, Father. How are you to relate to God today? Through Jesus to the Father. The same blessing we started with. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That means I know who I am. Nobody can take that from me. They can tell me it's goofy and I shouldn't believe it. You don't care what they say. That's a lie. The truth says I'm a child of God. I'm a prince and I'm a princess. (laughs) If children, then we're heirs. What does heirs mean? Heirs means that everything that belongs to God now belongs to who? Me. Now we can get weird and religious with it and say that means I get to judge everything. Yeah, don't try and do that. You're just not God. You're made in his image. You're not God. And you try and call down judgments on cities and all of a sudden everything goes wonky in your life. It's because you're operating outside of a realm of authority that you have no understanding of. We are heirs and joint heirs with Christ. It says this, if indeed we suffer with him, that we also may be glorified together with him. In our identities, just because I'm a child of God doesn't mean that I won't suffer. Have you ever noticed that life's hard? If you're going to pass on life lessons? And life's beautiful? Which is it? Yes. Yes. Life has some really hard things. And if we look at our children and pass this on, if we don't let them know it's hard, then they get disillusioned and discouraged in their identity. But if that's all we focus on, they don't see the beauty and understanding of the earth. Because it has these two things, beauty and pain. Americans like to escape the pain by focusing on the beauty and then they get disillusioned about who they are. Because both those things are, they, they walk in a, in a, not in an agreement, but if you will, in a tension with each other. Um, it's interesting, a, a, a water spider that you see on top of the water, do you know that they never really touch the water? They display... And, and they, they put their legs out in such a way that they're actually not touching, they're riding on the air pressure between the water and, and their little, I don't know if spiders have toes. <laughs> they have other things I don't like. But, and that's how they just glide, 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 glide. They're actually not swimming. And that's because there's a principle of tension there. And that's the way life is. We have this tension that it's both hard and beautiful and it all can happen at once. I will tell you how it happens. 
somebody you're really close to dies. That's really hard. It's terrible. It feels like the end of the end has happened. It feels like your heart's going to burst forth. And at the same time, you start remembering that person's life and the joy and beauty of who they were come in. And the same pain that you have get touched by the beauty of who they were. And you have that tension and you want to laugh and cry. That's why memorial services are so important. You know, and I've gone to a lot of them and you know, some last longer than others. And you go, you know, I've been at ones that, believe it or not, I have one that lasted three hours. And you're going, three hours, they lived. Is that such a long time to give? Because there's a tension there and you have to walk through it. And you have to get through that and it can affect your identity. We are heirs with Christ. That means I have authority as a royal child. Things have been given to me. And, and he doesn't just see me the way I see me. He sees a navigation that he wants to work into my life. And he comes alongside and he now lives in me. And he starts moving in my identity. And I start seeing and understanding things. Do you remember those aha moments that you've had through the really hard things? That was ordained as you being an heir of Christ. He gives you an understanding. He gives you, if you will, a revelation, an aha moment that you can take something away with this. In Hebrews 2, there we go puts it this way and he and he puts it he, he takes his manifold grace and just turns it a little he says he's uh, speaking of Jesus he says for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all one that means you're not waiting for something to happen for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren saying, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here I am. And the children whom God has given me. When the church talks about eternity and they talk about the marriage feast and we, and we talk about worship and all the worship we're going to do, there's one other thing that's going to happen. God is going to stand in the midst and sing about you. Get your nugget around that one. It says, I will sing a song and declare it. That's how he sees your identity. You know, when I'm in heaven and I'm perfect, then I'll be okay. No, he's, he's going to sing more than okay. He's going to declare that these are mine. And he's singing this song. When I got a... a, a just a slight touch of a revelation on that. See, I always believed that God loved me from the time I, I got saved. Because I, I tied it in with pity because it was tied into my shame identity. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But when I started getting a revelation that it wasn't pity love by which he saved me, that kid can't do anything right. Let me reach down there and grab him. To... 
He's mine. And I held nothing back to go after him. I wanted him. He belongs to me. And now he's my precious one. And I love him so much, he's my brother. That was a game changer for me. Because it moved from God saved me because he felt sorry to me to God saved me because he liked me. So I used to put it this way with people. Instead of saying, do you know the love of God? I used to ask the question, and even did it with conference speaking, do you know the like of God? And they go, what? Do you know God likes you? Well, I know he loves me. Ask yourself this morning, within your identity, does God like you? He likes me. I'm, con- I'm convinced of it. Is your heart convinced in your choice of receiving your true identity in God that he likes you? That's a game changer. Because that means no matter, and we'll get to it later, no matter what I do, God likes me. I don't have to do something or be like that person. He likes me for me. What? He just likes me. He made me real different than you. I have very straight hair, but I have hair. (laughs) He does. He gave me blue eyes. I love that. He didn't give everybody blue eyes. I have Caucasian skin. That doesn't make it better. Look at where the identity stuff is going on today and where we're trying to get our identity of. He made somebody else with darker skin. Is one better than the other? No, it's the way he liked us. He created us in his image. He doesn't even speak to race over that stuff. There's nothing about race in the garden. He loves all of us the same. So we should love all of us the same. That was free. That was just for today. Look at 1 John 3. This, if you can begin to, if you get your head around that he likes you, then you can start, actually take this scripture and start praying it over who you are. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God that should say now, I'm already a child of God. Therefore the world does not know us. Now think, when we're trying to find our identity, we want the world to tell us who we are. They don't know us. They don't know what is of God. How can they? We can't, do you know what? You might as well settle it right now. If you've received Jesus, you're not going to fit in with the world. It won't work. It's oil and water. It doesn't mix well. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God and it's not yet revealed what we shall be. There's more coming. Maybe my name should be Shelby. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Does my behavior make me pure? No. What makes me pure is the knowledge 
that I can begin to see a revelation of who God is in my life. It starts to become, when I do this, it becomes my identity. I start identifying with it. I start using language. Now, most of the time, I really kick it at Christianese. You know, I, I, don't like, I don't like some of our Christian culture, so that's just me. I've always been somewhat of an iconoclast, but I just, some of it just, and then there's other parts of me that go, no, we have a peculiar language. We're a peculiar people, and we have a peculiar way of looking at things. We have a peculiar way of walking. We have a peculiar way of talking. We're supposed to. Do we have a separate culture? My God, I hope so. Because in our identity, here, here's the thing. We all want something that's just ours. Jesus is ours. He's there for everybody else that will receive him. So there's this. Jesus is always inclusive in an exclusive way. Huh? Anybody who wants to come in can come in, but here's the way you come in. You receive Christ. Does that make you less than? No, you just haven't received Christ yet. But the invitation's there. It's always there. And when it is, it does something with my identity. And look at this last one. This is about the equation. I didn't even get to the other two equations. Mm. 1 Peter 2.9. This is a funny, in the Greek, this is a funny you, because it's a plural you, and it's, an, and it's a singular you at the same time. Like, you, Paula, and then you, me, and Paula. So it's inclusive, and it says, you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The problem with believers today is they don't want to be different than the world. We want to fit in. We want them to accept us. Remember the beauty and pain thing? Part of the pain is that men love darkness more than they love light. People like to get, does that make them bad? No, Jesus wants everybody to come in. But they don't necessarily like you. You can't expect them to do that. If I, if I love them really well, then they'll like me in return. No, Jesus loved everybody perfectly and they killed him. So here's the reality in our identity. God likes me, not everybody else will. If everybody liked me, there wouldn't be enough chairs in this place. I'm glad you like me. This identity issue because we, we do something when we don't under when we don't I want you to pray these scriptures this week, just over your own life again. I don't care if you've heard it fifty times. Take it fresh and new and take these passages from the new new covenant 
and pray them over you again. It does something in the washing of who we are. It's like, it's like having worked all day. And then, man, you get home and you turn on that shower and it just begins to wash. Begins to cleanse everything away and you start seeing things again and seeing them clearly. Next week, I want to look at the two great enemies of this. Do you know what they are? Pride and shame. They're the same coin. One's a head side, the other's a tail side. And these are the two great enemies of finding our true identities, understanding. And they have to do in almost like a works mentality. We start using a an accomplishment equation because it it generates out of pride and shame. If a teenager teens that are in here this morning, I'm telling you, if you can get this one down, you're going to walk free of a thousand lesser problems than your mates. And I don't mean the mate that you marry. I mean everybody who's your friends. You, you get this down. You get this true identity down. It, it releases you from getting into faulty equations. Because pride and shame make us compare and contrast. Well, I believe... And then we use Christianese again. I believe that for them, but me. I know God forgives you, but you don't know what I've done. But God does. And... The last time I looked, his blood was sufficient for all. Not just all people, all things. So that coin gets in the way. Well, God's going to do something really good with your life, but mine sort of sucks and that's just the way it is. I'm going to go cry in the corner now. That's a pride-shame thing. Starts with shame and then flips to pride. You're so bad you can't be saved? Think through that. You just set yourself up above God. God said you were so bad, I'll save you. Novel. Paul wrote it this way in Romans. While we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. Amazing. It's just freedom for who I can be. Freedom's a dangerous thing. I ran into somebody, I'll close with this. I ran into somebody yesterday waiting for a friend and this other person who I hadn't seen for 15 years came up to me and unfortunately they forgot how old I was and pulled, didn't remember the thing. So they came up to me, who I use, Krishna. He's, so I was sitting in a coffee shop and they came up and went <laughs> like that and didn't say anything. And I'm going through my old floppy disk computer going, who the heck is this? And there was this awkward 30-second pause. And he just went like that. Like, you better come up. You know, you knew, you know who I am. I'm going, I don't know who you are. You know, and then finally it got back to... Uh, Windows XP. <laughs> Pulled up and there it was. There I went, oh, and said his name. And then he, you know, and he said, 
how are you doing? Because it had been 15 years since we'd seen each other. I said, it couldn't be better. And you went, what? I said, I'm the happiest I've ever been in my life. He said, why? And I said, I've got nothing to prove. He went, what? I said, nothing to prove. I said, God loves me and I'm in love with God. I don't have to prove anything anymore. I don't have to prove it to God. I don't have to prove it to me. And I don't have to prove it to you. I'm doing incredible. How are you doing? Oh, can I sit down and talk with you? (laughs) (laughs) Secure identity. You don't have to wait for 70 that. You can have that at 17. That's the lie. That you can't have this until you've gone through all the hardship. It's a lie. Praise can come out of the mouth of a seven-year-old. Wisdom can be spoken by a nine-year-old. It's rare. But it can happen. And for the person whose identity is found in Christ, it can happen daily with everybody we meet. Whether it's the past, present, or future. You're just being yourself. I said, I don't want to be anybody else. I'm just me. He said, you're that happy. I went, that happy. (sighs) Take these scriptures. Pray them over yourself this week. Just take one of them. Just begin to pray it. If you have a lot of courage, look in the mirror with your eyes open and pray it. Breaks the prayer. Pride, shame thing, and we'll look at that next week. Can I pray for you? Well, I'm going to pray for you. Please receive my prayers. And I pray for each one of us now that the security of who we are in you would be our identity. You know our name. I pray for the, the opening of our ears so we could hear it again that we're your beloved, we're your acceptance. You've accepted us. We're joint heirs with you. We don't have to clamor after things. All things are yours. You freely give us all things. You tell us that all the promises of God for us are yes and amen in our lives. So we receive it and we speak it over others that we love. We're not selfish with it. We give it away to others. You love me, so you love others. Lift up our hearts. Let Psalm 89 be our portion this week. Blessed are the people that know the joyful sound. I have heard joyful music, O God, and it's you. You are the jubilation of my heart and my life. Sing it now back to these your children in just the way that they hear it that their ears are attuned in Jesus name now may the Lord bless you and keep you Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit Amen Amen